My name is Dr. Sakshi Khatri. I'm a board-certified rheumatologist and dermatologist at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. I am joined today by Dr. Shikha Singla. Shikha, can you please introduce yourself? Thanks, Sakshi. Hello, my name is Shikha Singla, and I am a board-certified rheumatologist at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Now you may be asking yourself, why are two rheumatologists discussing psoriasis? Psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis have a lot of overlap. We do know in the room space that 25% of psoriasis patients will go on to developing psoriatic arthritis. There's certainly a lot of overlap when it comes to the cytokines that are implicated in the pathogenesis of both. And a lot of molecules that we use, you know, systemically have indication for both psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So I think as rheumatologists, it's important to know about clinical trial data in the psoriasis space because that can help aid in making um, an informed treatment decision when it comes to our patients. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely right. As you said, one in four patients of psoriasis develop psoriatic arthritis. And this is an active area of research. Me and my colleagues co-authored a paper recently that showed that patients who had psoriasis and were on biologic therapy, of those patients, patients on IL-12, 23, and 23 inhibitors took longer time to develop psoriatic arthritis. So I think that was a fascinating paper. And we also used six different sensitivity analyses that supported the primary outcome. But our study had some limitations, and one of them is that it was a retrospective review, and we utilized the electronic medical data for our search. I mean, what we do need is, you know, additional studies um, further exploring the connection between psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And, you know, in the last few years, we've had this huge influx of new agents for the treatment of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, which adds another dimension of complexity to our clinical decision-making. Because, you know, as the saying goes, there's paradox of choice. So when you have so many molecules and different MOAs to choose from, how do you decide which one to select for your patient that you're seeing in your practice? That's why you need head-to-head -head trials. <laughs> that is true. And in that space, I will say that there are definitely a lot of head-to-head -head trials in the psoriasis space. Not so many in psoriatic I, I know, arthritis. I know. That's why, you know, that's why dermatologists are a little bit spoiled. Because, you know, when we have all this head-to-head -head data in front of us, it lets us as dermatologists really make the best decision because I know one MOA versus another, what the efficacy, safety, and endpoints are. Exactly. And, you know, sort of with that in mind, we will um, review outcomes for another agent, Rizinkizumab, an IL-23 inhibitor in a head-to-head -head study against a premolast. Before we talk about that study, I just want to remind you that rosinkizumab is indicated for the treatment of moderate to severe plaque psoriasis in adults who are candidates for systemic therapy or phototherapy. It is also indicated for the treatment of active psoriatic arthritis in adults. Let's review IMPULSE study design. IMPULSE was a head-to-head -head phase 4 randomized open-label efficacy assessor blinded study comparing rizancuzumab to a pramilast after titration for the treatment of adult patients with moderate plaque psoriasis who were candidates for systemic therapy. Today, we will focus on part A, which was the first 16 weeks of the study in which patients were randomized 1 is to 2 rizankizumab versus apramilast. The period A co-primary outcomes of impulse first 16 weeks was PASI 90 and static physician global assessment of 0 and 1. There were significantly more patients in the study who achieved co-primary endpoints in rizankizumab group versus apramilast group. Dr. Khatri, as a dermatologist, what do you think about these 
co-primary endpoints. The idea of efficacy of these two agents, it was telling to see data from a head-to-head -head comparison because both agents can be considered first line to treat patients with moderate psoriasis. So to have that head-to-head -head comparison allows me as a physician to make a better or maybe make an informed decision about what molecule to choose from. Um, I remember a few years ago, we were looking at PASI 75, which is yeah. just a 75% improvement. Now we're looking at PASI 90, and that's sort of become the primary outcome measure in clinical trials in psoriasis. I wish they did that in rheumatology because with us, we can only get about less than 50% of patients who can achieve ACR 50 response. You know, it, it's interesting. <laughs> so like I always, uh, when I'm having a discussion with my colleagues, I'm like, you know, we in dermatology are kind of spoiled. Yes, Because we're looking at PASI 90. <laughs> we don't have, we don't have ACR 90. And there was another interesting outcome that was reported in the study was patient satisfaction data. Can you describe this measure and its importance? Certainly. Uh, patient satisfaction was assessed using a nine-item treatment satisfaction questionnaire for medication, or TSQM9. This questionnaire asks patients um, or measures patient satisfaction with the medication over the previous two to three weeks of taking that medication. And while this was not an endpoint that was ranked, so we don't have like a p-value that we can talk about, in impulse, higher treatment satisfaction scores across all three domains were reported at week 16 for patients taking risinkizumab, which is every 12 weeks after the loading dose, uh, versus a premolast, which is a twice-a-day oral molecule. So to have data which looks at patients and sort of gives them some agency of their treatment, I think it's helpful because it allows for a more collaborative experience. These outcomes, amongst others reported in this manuscript, show that Rizankuzumab demonstrated increased efficacy compared to Apramilast. But Dr. Khatri, along with efficacy, we also worry about a drug's tolerability and safety. Yes, you know, it's a safety and tolerability is a big part of the discussion that we have with our patients yes. when it comes to what drug we are giving them. Um, certainly, there is a lot of safety data, data that we had from Impulse. Um, by all means, please share that with us. In Impulse, for any adverse events, there were 41.5% patients in Rizankuzumab group versus 61.1% patients in a Pramilast group. For adverse events leading to discontinuation of the medication, there were 0% in Rizankizumab group versus 6.8% in Apramilast group. So that's also reassuring to me as a physician that at least based on this impulse study, they were not stopping this drug because of any AEs. However, it should be noted that statistical comparison of the treatment emergent adverse events could not be determined due to the small sample size. Additionally, the treatment emergent adverse events of interest in period A of impulse include major adverse cardiovascular events, serious infection, injection site reactions, hypersensitivity, and hepatic events. Period B rates in the continuous Rizankizumab arm were consistent with period A except for serious adverse events, serious infections, injection site reactions, and hypersensitivity. Although this is the safety and tolerability profile in psoriasis, this data can help inform clinical decision-making in rheumatology. Though the tolerability and safety of Rizankizumab and Apramilas may differ, we should be thinking about how this data informs our approach of choosing which one to use. 
from the data we've looked at, rosinkizumab had increased efficacy and patient satisfaction versus the active comparator in impulse. It also showed an interesting safety and tolerability profile. With that, we'll bring this discussion to an end. It's always fun to spend some time with a colleague discussing the latest data. And it's interesting to find out how these agents are helping our patients. And I hope to continue these discussions with you in the future. Thank you so much, Shikha, for joining me today. This was an excellent discussion. I couldn't agree with you more. If you are interested in learning more about clinical data for rosinkizumab and psoriasis, be sure to check out the therapeutics update page on roomnow.com. Thank you for listening. Rizinkizumab is contraindicated in patients with a history of serious hypersensitivity reaction to rizinkizumab or any of the excipients. Serious hypersensitivity reactions, including anaphylaxis, may occur. If a serious hypersensitivity reaction occurs, discontinue rizinkizumab and initiate appropriate therapy immediately. Rizinkizumab may increase the risk of infections. Instruct patients to seek medical advice if signs or symptoms of clinically important infection occur. If such an infection develops, discontinue rizinkizumab until the infection resolves. Evaluate patients for tuberculosis infection prior to initiating treatment with rizinkizumab. Avoid use of live vaccines in patients treated with rizinkizumab. The most common adverse reactions, greater than or equal to 1%, are upper respiratory infections headache, fatigue, injection site reactions, and tinea infections. Please review Rizinkizumab full prescribing information for additional information by visiting www.rxabv.com or contact ABV Medical Information at 1-800-633-9110.